It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07. We're broadcasting live this morning from the 18th Annual North Atlanta Home Show at the Gwinnett Center. We'll be here this morning until 9 o'clock for Lawn and Garden. We can't let people in because the sort of broadcast area is a little small here. So this is not one of those where you say a code word and get in to see the broadcast and get into the show free. We'll do that during the spring home show. It'll be a few weeks from now. But we're broadcasting here live. As if you come in during the part time of the day when the show is open, Dave Baker, Belinda Skelton, and others will be here broadcasting and speaking from the reliable heating and air stage. So let's go to the phones. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got, who first? Erin's in coming, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Erin, good morning. Hey, good morning. I have a quick question about my Bermuda. Okay. Um, we have some thin spots in our backyard. It's all in full sun. There's no trees planted around it. Okay. Um, but the thin spots, the dirt is really hard packed. And mm. we've tried aerating, and that doesn't seem to break up the soil enough to that grass to, you know, keep trailing and growing. Yeah. I didn't know if we needed to till it or if we needed to topsoil it or what would be the best thing. Tilling would be great. Um, the grass the grass is telling you something, Aaron, saying, you know, we don't like it so hard here. And loosening the soil is always something that a plant wants. The roots breathe. We don't think about that much, but roots on plants do have to breathe. It has to have some way of exchanging gases with the atmosphere. And if you have hard soil, the, find, the plants find it hard to breathe. Okay. How deep should we till that soil? Like, we don't have a tiller, so would we rent one, you know? Um, how big is the spot, Erin? Um, there's a couple of spots, maybe about three feet square, I suppose. Do a shovel. You don't need to rent a tiller. Why don't you get out there? Get some <laughs> we can. family member with a strong mind or a strong back and a weak mind to get them out there and say, here, take the shovel and make sure it works real good. Try it right over there where the hard patch is. I think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, the, sh- the shovel's so much easier and you just sort of stick it down three or four inches and flip over the ground and chop everything up so it's nice and loose. And okay. what will you do? Will you plant Bermuda from seed or sod or what do you think you'll do? It- no, it was, it's sodded. I mean, our yard is pretty well sodded, yeah. um, but I didn't know if I needed to plant more or just kind of dig it up and let it continue. It's not completely bare. There are some, you know, a few a little, little trails, bit. but it's just thin, you know. Well, you can you can dig up the little plugs that are still existing in that hard patch and put them in a box off to the side in the shade, and then when you get everything softened up, you can take those little plugs and put them in. Uh, two or three, four inches apart from each other to recover it. Or you can go around the edge where the lawn hits the driveway or a sidewalk, and many times you can find little pieces and plugs of Bermuda that are covering, coming over the concrete, and you can cut those off, dig them up a little bit, get the root system, and then plug that into your hard place that you shoveled up so nicely. Gotcha. Okay. Right. That sounds great. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Aaron. All right. Bye-bye. You can take Aaron's place by dialing 404 872 Zero seven fifty. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll have Nita in Kennesaw who wants to know what to do with her roses right now. Evangeline in Douglasville has a question about pruning crepe myrtles. But Lynn in Atlanta has a question about tulips and grapefruits and all sorts of things. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. Yes, I have a question about tulips. I sure. have some bulbs that I never put out, and I was just wondering, is it too late to put those out? 
Why? I have to know this, Lynn. Why? It's February now, and we're supposed to plant these bulbs back in October, November when you bought them. What have you been doing for three months? I put some out, but this bag got lost, and so it's about a dozen or so, Uh and I just didn't want them to go to you know, just to be lying around. Or is right. there any way I can save them? Yeah, there is, actually. It's not going to oh. hurt too bad. Okay. <laughs> you were expecting me to say, no, you can't plant them. They won't do anything. But honestly, yeah. if you take the bulbs and mash them just a little bit with your fingers, if they're still firm and feel, you know, live like an onion sort of, they uh-huh. can be planted now. They'll bloom later than everybody else. But then everybody in the neighborhood will say, Lynn, how did you get your tulips to bloom in June? Okay, perfect. <laughs> You'll be perfect. very proud of yourself. What else you need to know okay so my mom has a grapefruit tree and she lives in tipton and this Mm -hmm. thing has grown from three feet to five feet to like 10 feet in about four years wow and we need to know oh i need to know for her how and when should we um prune it grapefruits and citrus trees in general are pruned to what I call an open center. I mean, that may not mean anything to you, but I know exactly what an open center would look like. Typically, um, you would try to take out the central leader on the citrus trees. If it has a strong central trunk, you'd take that out at about... um, about five or six feet to be about right, so that it has some growth on it, but doesn't shade out the interior of the tree. It's just like pruning peaches, right? Honestly, you have an open center; it gets a lot of sunshine down into the middle of the tree, citrus or okay. peach, and that makes more fruit, better fruit that way. So prune out the the largest stem in the center. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. and then over okay. the next couple of years, you'll prune a little bit more to make sure it doesn't get real bushy right in the center, but it's not terribly hard, and you'll get a, a nice-looking grapefruit tree. Or If you just don't have to prune it, there's no rule that says you even have to, except if it gets out of hand so you can't pick the fruit from it and it's way up high, then that's why a lot of people prune their citrus trees. Okay, it's out of hand. All right, if it's out of hand, <laughs> yeah, needs, a yeah. little, needs a little conversation. You heard me earlier this morning to say that I got a book called uh, Making a Little Fruit Tree, and it talks some about pruning citrus correctly to make it small so it's uh, easy, to, easy to pick out of hand there. But I like okay. that book a whole lot. Sure okay, do. all right, great. All right, thank you, Walter. You bet, Lynn. Thanks for calling. Lynn, she dialed the number 404-872-0750 a second ago, and now she's gone, and you can take her place if you care to. Nita is in Kennesaw, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nita, good morning. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you as well. How can we help? Well, I have a rose garden, and it is just going to pot. (laughs) (laughs) And I really don't know what to do at this point for it because of neglect, I suppose, of sickness here at the house, but um, I wanted to know how I could make them be pretty this year. This is the perfect question on the perfect day. You (laughs) or somebody you love is going to don a pair of leather gloves and take a pruner in hand and go out there and prune those roses right. Because you can do all sorts of good cleanup and taking away dead limbs and make mm-hmm. sure you don't have any branches going through the middle of the bush. You can do all sorts of things. And today, it's going to be warm this afternoon. It'd be so pleasant to be outside pruning roses today. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to, When do I feed them? Uh, Give them another couple of weeks. When things are just starting, when the buds and the branches on a lot of shrubs are turned, turning green a little bit, when the growth is just starting... Uh-huh. And that's going to be around the last week in February, first week in March, probably. 
Last of February. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me tell you a little bit more about pruning the rose needle. You might need this, and there are listeners out there who are in the same situation. So I'll talk <laughs> a little bit about uh, rose pruning, and this applies to almost every rose we have maybe not so much to the climbers but all the shrub roses the knockout roses all the um, uh, drift roses and things of that nature this kind of pruning is what you do this is the time of year if you'll notice Nita when you go to your rose bushes you'll see little red buds that are sprouting out up and down those bare green stems uh-huh. and the key to pruning roses or shrub roses is to not have any branches that go across the middle of the plant that go the buds pointed towards the center and they go across the middle of the plant it, cuts down on the number of flowers you have and so this time of year because you see the little red buds you can see which way they're pointing you make your cut about a quarter of an inch or so above a bud that is pointing to the outside and if you do that I mean, it doesn't take much intelligence to do it but you just prune right above a bud pointing to the outside and if you do that you'll have a nicely shaped and formed shrub rose they have lots and lots of flowers on it and fertilize it like i said in a few weeks and we've got some good looking roses and now's the time to do it wonderful i am so glad to hear that and also too uh they have black spots on lots of uh, nah. leaves that's already there then i'll give you one more job <laughs> after right. you, I'm ready. After you finish with the pruning and you've taken, you've collected all those limbs. You certainly don't leave them on the ground underneath the rows. Put in new, fresh, clean mulch. Put in pine straw, pine chips. It doesn't really matter, but new, fresh mulch so that you don't have any of the leaves of last year's black spot on the roses infecting this year's crop of, of rose leaves. So consider um, not only doing the mulch thing, which helps to sanitize the area, but also consider thinking about putting a fungicide on the roses in, let's see, late March, middle of April will be about right for that, when the growth on the rose has new little leaves, four or five leaves in a cluster, and that is about the time you'd spray a fungicide on the roses to prevent okay. black spot, which is a common disease of roses. So in April, you spray it. Yeah, sometimes when the leaves are emerging and hopefully a little before you see that first uh, yellow dot, yellow and black dot, you know what they look like. But um, that would be the time to spray a fungicide on it. Pike, of course, has a good selection of of landscape fungicides you can use. Make sure you have a sprayer, get ready for it. And then when the the weather turns and it's uh, about time to, to spray the roses, get that done so you don't have anything holding you back. Yeah. So any any fungicides will will do the job. Yeah, just that's about. Right. Just about okay. any fungicide is going to be effective on black spot. Early control is the key, and that's why you're going to do it in mid-April. Mid-April. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Walter. It's great Appreciate talking it. to you, Nita. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling. Mm-hmm. If we get in here real quickly... No, I don't think so. Scott will yell at me. Scott Max in the studio, and he's always the keeper of the clock. And he says, don't do that. Don't put another caller in. Evangeline, you'll be next right after we have our words. We'll have Evangeline. We'll have Gail in Dawsonville, Sean in Jefferson, Lisa in Loganville, all of whom dialed 404-872-0750. We're broadcasting live this morning from the 18th annual North Atlanta Home Show. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be great, not only today, but tomorrow, the next day, and everything for the next several days. A really, really nice temperatures outside today. Sunny, high in the low 60s.
tonight, low mid-30s. Let's give it to the mid-30s. Still not bad in an evening. Evangeline, we've got time to talk to you right now. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I am fantastic. How can I help? I'm getting ready to trim my crepe myrtles, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure I do it right. All right. And when I prune them this time, should I prune them slanted? Well, you know, you mean I know the, last the, time you said you cut them at a pencil. I said the pencil pruning way is what I think looks pretty. And I showed to, I had an audience yesterday here at the home show, at the North Atlanta home show, and I had pictures of what I consider to be nicely pruned crepe myrtles and then some examples of, you know, whack back murdered crepe myrtles too. So what I told them, I'll tell you the same thing, Evangeline. I think that pruning, either using your little finger or your thumb, either way you can get nice uh, shape and form, but anything smaller than one of your digits on your hand makes a crepe myrtle just just look nice for the wintertime and not be just whacked back with a chainsaw. So pencil pruning or thumb pruning, one of the others, what I recommend. And it, it can be just cut straight. It don't have to be yeah. slanted. I don't think it has to be slanted. I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I've okay. forgotten why okay. I thought that was good. But uh, okay. now's a good time to prune crepe myrtles. You can prune crepe myrtles just about any time in the winter from you know January through the end of March probably. But there's one thing to remember. You don't have to prune crepe myrtles in order for them to bloom. People like Evangeline who are doing it just to maybe form it up a little bit, make it fit in the place that it's growing, that's one thing. But if you prune a crepe myrtle, it's not going to make it bloom more. It's not going to make it bloom prettier. It just is one of the things some gardeners think they, they need to do to shape it up. But generally speaking, crepe myrtles are going to bloom just fine without any pruning at all. Okay. And one other question, Walter. All right. I'm getting ready to plant some lilies. And I think, like you told me a couple of years ago, it's best to do it when it's cold because they don't require as much water. Right. Okay. But they, but they do require some water. I mean, any evergreen exactly. plant like Leyland Cypress requires some water, even in cold weather. If there's any wind or anything that's blowing across the needles, then that evaporates water off the needles, and the roots have to replenish it somehow. Right. I know a couple of years ago I planted, you got on me because I planted 30, 20 foot. Uh, Lily and Cypress, and it was hot. Yeah, you told me to give it. I don't know if you remember that. You told me to make sure I give it two to three gallons of water a day. A day. Did they survive? Yes. How did they go? How did they All do? All of them survived except right. two. That's a pretty good percentage, Evangeline. I think you did yeah. fine yeah, if yeah, all but yeah. two went in. But I yeah, can just so. imagine the amount of work you had to do to dig all the holes for the Leland Cypress and get them yeah. in and water them every, every day down there. Yeah, it's not, generally speaking, the best time of the year to plant in summertime. If you're attentive to water, you can get by with it. But man, oh man, there's lots of people who had failure for their arborvitaes and their cedars and the Leland Cypress and the Cryptomeria that they exactly. tried to plant in the middle of the summer. Okay, and one other question. Real quick. I have, I'm on a, in the backyard, it's like a floodplain area, so it gets a little damp. What is the best soil to put back there? I didn't cut all the trees back. So I have something that's really coarse, some kind of soil that had something coarse mixed in with it, like uh, river sand mixed with topsoil, makes a real coarse mixture that you can put in the soil back there and make it drain a lot faster. Uh, go to a landscape supply place. That's where you find the best kinds of mixes, and you can uh, tell them to mix one custom for you. We just call a landscape supply place and say, hey, I need some really fast-draining soil with some river sand in it, and they'll mix it up and deliver it to you. That's what you do, Evangeline. Hey, thanks for calling. we got to get out of here. It's 727, and we'll be right back. After news.
the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning, a great Saturday to be alive. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday and Sunday as well. What a time to get out in the landscape. And if you need to know what to do, what you can do, can't do, what's the right way to do it, 404-872-0750. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. And if you've got a couple hours free during Saturday and Sunday, you should come to the 18th Annual Atlanta, North Atlanta Home Show. It's the Gwinnett Center right next to the Gwinnett Coliseum. There's lots and lots and lots of vendors here. Star Mopo. Oh, let's go to the little list right here. I'll do the tease for you now. Uh, Taylor Construction, The Fan Man, Louver Shop, The Sunshine Boys with Georgia Solar Lighting, Trusted Toolbox, Tight Line Exteriors, Train, Tamron, Trex, Tupperware, Turvacoat, Unlimited Lawn Care, Vitamix. you got all the vendors who are here. And you can check out their wares and maybe get a show discount on something you need done for your landscape or inside your house. And that's you can do just this one time today, North Atlanta Home Show or tomorrow, North Atlanta Home Show. You get all the details at atlantahomeshow.com. We'll be here this morning until 9 o'clock. Dave Baker will be here right after that. Sean is in Jefferson, Georgia. And Sean joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sean. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I have a question that kind of bounces off the the lady earlier with the Bermuda problem. Yeah. Um, I have hard-packed clay throughout most of my front yard. Yeah. And my lawn is starting to get thin, and the um, the fertilizer company recommended uh, top dressing surface. And I, I'm all for it, but I don't really want to waste $1,000 if it's not going to fix the problem. The services, the the professionals that I have talked to, and I'm you know see a lot of them when we go to various meetings and things. I think top dressing has its place, but really and truly, combi- combining top dressing and aerating seems to me the best way to do it. You go out with an aerator, put lots and lots and lots of hole in the ground, and then spread topsoil over that, and then drag it in so it fills up those holes, and you can get a reasonably good loosening and aeration of the soil that way without having to till up your whole yard. Okay, so I wouldn't necessarily need to bring in a couple of loads of topsoil and just start over. I, you would need to bring in the topsoil, yes, but I don't think putting topsoil on top of hard ground without mixing the two together, I think that's not going to be a productive way to do things. You want to try to mix the hard places with the topsoil that you lay on top of it. And like I said, an aerator run three or four times over the yard would do that for you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sean, thanks so much for calling. And you know something I just remembered? I need to talk about the Carruthers people and the Valentine's Day memory contest we're doing right now. If you go to wsbradio.com slash contests, Carruthers Florists, and their great service of the flowers of Atlanta, the beautiful flowers that they will deliver to your home. We've got a contest going on right now. All you have to do is write in reasonably succinct paragraphs your favorite Valentine's memory, your favorite Valentine's gift or something that happened on Valentine's. Maybe your birthday is on Valentine's. That's always been a favorite time of you of your life. So if you want to join the contest, again, wsbradio.com forward slash contests. You can see all the rules and tell us what your favorite Valentine's Day memory is. You'll see the prizes there from Carillas Flores. We've got Gail in Dawsonville who's with us. Gail, hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, 
I have a problem with my Nandinas. I have the little short, shrubby ones that yeah. stay short and shrubby, and then I have these big, tall ones that get like eight feet tall. Sure. But when I trim them, they don't grow from the top. Is that, is that right? Or am well, I trimming them wrong? The way, do you really need to prune the short, shrubby ones? Is there anything that needs pruning out of them? No. I just need to do the top ones because they're yeah. above my window. Yeah, exactly. They get way big. Um, the way that I think is best is you look at those big tall ones. You'll notice that I've got, what, eight or nine or ten maybe stems that are coming up from the ground. And yeah. it's very distinct as which one are the oldest ones and which one are the young ones because the old ones are real dark, barky, got little slits up and down the stem. You can tell which ones are the old ones. Okay. And uh, this sort of makes me nervous because I'm an old person right now. But basically you prune out, you take away, you cut away all the uh, the old stems, which generally speaking takes away about three or four feet of height on your Nandina just by taking away two or three of the old stems. And you do that, and uh, if you prune it down to about 12 inches, 18 inches maybe, you'll get new growth down low, which will cover the bottom sort of ugly stems of the young ones that are there as well. Okay, so that's the only way to do it? I think that's the best way to do it. I'm sure okay. you could do it with a chainsaw if you wanted to, but I don't think that's going to look very good. <laughs> or or uh, set fire like you do sawgrass. Oh my gosh, are you one of those people that sets the lawn on fire, Gail? I listened to Penny one year and she said just set fire to it. <laughs> Walter says, don't set fire to it. Do not let setting fire to your lawn be associated with my name. Even though my neighbor, Ed, has a clump of ornamental grass. It's not his Bermuda lawn, but he has a clump of ornamental grass. And he says, you know what? When I light that thing on fire in January, all the neighbors come to watch. I can just imagine. Fast and quick and it's done. Fast and quick and it's done. I I have an orchid that has the center is black. Yeah. Is it going to come back, or do I throw it out? It's got air roots coming out. Mm, I would Wait. give it at least another okay. month, and if nothing green growing happening to it, throw it out. Get it out of here. Okay. All right. It's got the green leaves on the side, just not the top. Um, I'm assuming it got water in the top, in the center. You know what I'm doing right now, Gail, that I think works really well for orchids is I have an uh, ice cube tray. I bought it from Goodwill two or three weeks ago, and I filled the ice cube tray with water that had a little bit of miracle Grow fertilizer in it, so it turns the water just slightly blue, and I put it in my freezer, and when I feel like about once a week that it's time to water my orchids, I take two, two cubes out of the ice cube tray. they got water and fertilizer in them. I put it on top of the uh, roots, the little area at the base of the orchid, and it fertilizes them, and they look great you might consider doing that with your orchid maybe not throw it away it turns the root brown on the top if there's any root on the surface when you freeze it like that i don't think the ice cubes will do it no i think the ice cubes they're cold yeah but i don't think they hurt the plant okay well i'll try that that sounds great thanks for calling gail all right thank you bye-bye lisa is in loganville and has a question about her azaleas and what to do with them right now lisa good morning good morning how can I help? Good morning. The first thing I want to do is thank you so much. I moved here from Michigan years ago, and I had a green thumb in Michigan, and when I got here, they changed the rules on me. <laughs> We're so glad you're <laughs> so here. I to, yeah, you, you saved me from a lot of uh, disasters. But I love to buy clearance plants that look a little thick and nurse them back to health, and yeah, I okay. found some Encore azaleas in pots, and they look healthy. Yeah. Um, can I take advantage of this lovely weather this weekend, or should I wait a couple more weeks? We should plant them immediately. They don't want to be in pots. That's an abnormal, unusual environment for those azaleas. They want to be in the ground. All right. 
So, but because you're my friend, Lisa, I can tell you more. You're, you know, one of those wandering northerners who's come down to the south and taken up residence here. So I want to make sure you're happy in the south. And one of the things that'll be more beneficial to the azalea than just about anything else is adding soil conditioner to the soil before you plant it. Every, are these in gallon pots, Lisa, is that right? Yeah. Mm, I think they're five-gallon pots. They're right, pretty okay. big. That, if they're pretty big and you think it's a five-gallon pot, then it's still fine. A an azalea or just about any other shrub I can I can think of and name, the best amount of soil conditioner to put in is a cubic foot per gallon. So if you have a five-gallon, we put five cubic feet. That sounds a little bit more than it really needs right now. So I would probably, for a five-gallon plant, put two or three gallon or two or three cubic feet. I mean, of soil conditioner. You can buy soil conditioner by the bags. Pike calls it planting soil. Other places call it just soil conditioner. And usually they come in two cubic feet bags. And so if you have a two-gallon azalea, you put the whole bag. You dig it into an area about six feet in diameter and plant your azalea in the middle. And you have all these azaleas, you want them to get off on the good foot, and so put some soil conditioner on the ground and mix it in real good. Okay. Oh, and one more thing. Mickey Gasway would love for me to tell you that Sure Start. She has the greatest luck in the world. Mickey Gasway, my friend from Pike Nursery, using a starter fertilizer that they sell called Sure Start. And it has a lot of real slowly released organic nu- nutrition in it. And she really believes in that. So I mentioned that in, in Mickey's favor this morning. That sure Start from Pike really seems to work for her. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Add that to my southern gardening list. <laughs> exactly. And tell all your neighbors back in Michigan, you know, it's sunny and warm today in Atlanta. What's it like in Michigan? Uh, minus four degrees. We were up there a couple weekends ago, <laughs> tromping through the gray flush. Oh. Couldn't wait to get home. <laughs> I don't miss it at all. I don't want to live up north. I want to live down here in the south. Well, welcome anyway, Lisa. We're glad you're here. Call anytime. Thank you. Thanks. See you soon. Mike is in Conyers. Mike, you join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, hopefully i got a couple things that you can help me with. Um, I took down 10 pine trees on an island in the middle of my backyard and right. had the stumps ground down. And then my son and I actually, the, the mound was still about a foot higher than the backyard. So we took all that down. So I'd like to plant some seeds, some grass seed. Good. And just want to know what kind of, it won't get total sun, so there's still a little shade from neighbor's trees. Sounds like fescue. Uh, fescue or maybe zoysia. Fescue is probably going to be your better bet right there now. So okay. I would, how big is the area that you think you'll be planting, Mike? I uh, guesstimate uh, 30 by 30. Good yeah. size. And it's all great topsoil. I mean, it's nice and rich. I think fescue is your right uh, choice for that. And okay. here's one thing that, is not hard to understand, but it's something you may not think of initially. Is it in that soil that's left? I know you and your son, you took down, you know, took the big pile and put it somewhere else. But there's still probably a lot of chips that the stump grinder left in that soil. It's still mixed uh, well, in. We went down quite a ways, Walter. But, yeah, I do, I do realize that uh, they're not really good for a while. They're, yeah. they're not good for the dirt. All right. So what you do to to minimize the amount of nitrogen that's being 
taken up by the rot fungi who are trying to mm-hmm. decompose those chips is add mm-hmm. extra fertilizer. Before you okay. do your planting, if you can possibly get a tiller and add in about sure. a pound of 10-10-10 for every 100 square feet, that would be about right. So just sort of guesstimate how big the area is. Pound of 10-10-10, right. put it down, mix it in real good, level it off, plant your seed, and the chips will get some nitrogen from the 10-10-10. Your grass will get some nitrogen from the 10-10-10. Everybody's happy, including Mike. Great. And till it in, and then, uh, what, let it set for a little while, then plant the seed? or I don't think you need to let it set. As long as it's tilled in and sort of evenly distributed in that top yeah. three or four or five inches, it's fine. You can plant the seed that afternoon. Great. Can I, do I rake the seed in after or just let it sit on top? I think the easiest thing to do that if it's not too big of an area is I scatter the seed very evenly, try to get nice, even coverage, mm-hmm. and then take the back of a lawn rake and just go flap, 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 and it sort of gotcha. pats, the, uh, pats the seed into the ground. You want to get good mm-hmm. seed-to-soil contact in the springtime so it can uh, stay warm, so the seeds stay warm with soil, soil heat. Okay, and stay on top of the watering for a while? Yeah, and you know, a lot of watering when it's a, an initially seeded lawn is just more instinct than anything else. And you're just trying gotcha. to keep that top half inch of the soil moist, not soggy, right. not dry, right. moist. And okay. if you can just keep that in mind that even, you know, on weekdays and the weekends, if you need to water it just a little bit to keep that top half inch moist, and you'll be way ahead of the game and the seeds will come up just fine. Great, great. Okay, a second quick question, please. Okay. Um, my dad's fig tree last year grew an abundant amount of figs. Had a great year, but it started getting this white stuff, kind of like cocoonish uh, kind of stuff that turned the bark kind of mushy. Yeah. And he's uh, he just wanted me to ask you if there's anything he could put on it if he sees it again this year. It's gone now, but it comes Let me back. Think. Now you've given you've thrown me a curveball, Mike, because I can't think of anything that's going to be white. I know. Live. I didn't. I didn't see it, and I was over there, and he never pointed it out to me. But he said it was kind of white, mushy stuff on the limbs. Huh. And I, I rarely, if ever, have seen lichens growing on a fig limb, so I don't think it's lichens. You better get me a picture. Call your dad. And say, hey, take your cell phone. Take a few yeah. pictures. Send it to if Walter it and see. Back up. Yeah. If it comes back, that's what I'll do. I'll take a picture and then give you a call. And, yeah. Do that because uh, I just can't think offhand of anything that would uh, give the symptoms you're describing on a fig okay. branch. Yeah, that's a new Very one. We'll, we'll figure it out. Thanks for calling, Mike. we got to get out of here at 748. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a great afternoon, great Sunday as well. Sunny, highs in the low 60s this afternoon. Tonight, clear lows in the mid-30s. It's going to be awesome. If you need your questions about what you should do in your landscape today, give me a call at 404-872-0750. Chris is down at McDonough and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chris, good morning. Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help? Um, I have a fence enclosure in my backyard. It's about 50 feet long by about 25 feet deep. And it is penning in my four dogs that are inside dogs. We just put them outside. Sure. It also includes my septic tank. And unfortunately, the way our landscape is set up, when it rains, it also becomes a moat. Uh, Well, with all the dogs that are in there, 
I now no longer have grass at any point inside this enclosure. Is yeah, it's there a anything mighty, that I can? Yeah. Mighty mess. Um, you're sort of between the, the rock and the hard place, it sounds to me like, Chris, because grass is going to be continually dug up and pounded and run over and uh, disturbed by the dogs. The uh, water's probably in there with the rainfall coming in, making it sort of muddy. The grass is not going to like that. How big is the backyard? I only have about 60 seconds, so tell me quick. How big is the backyard? The area, it's, everything else is grass. It's 50 feet wide by 20 feet, 25 feet deep. I know this is not going to make you happy, happy, but is there any possibility of just covering it up with uh, chipped wood and letting the dogs be in that and not worrying about grass there? I hadn't even thought about the chipped wood, but that's going to be probably a whole lot easier and drain better than anything else. And yeah. It's going to have to get replaced, I'm going to guess, periodically. Yeah, the grass, if, if you have any size on the dogs, if you have you know 30 and 50-pound dogs and they're running back and forth and playing and digging and stuff, you know, you just have spend your entire life thinking about that grass and what the dogs are doing to it. And wood chips, generally speaking, are free. Call a tree company and say, hey, dump me a load of wood chips and hire a couple of people to come out and spread it for you. And that's the end of that story. Let the dogs play like they like. It seems to me that the chips is probably the easier thing to do. That's what I would recommend. I got to go, though. It's 7.58. You're listening to Lawn and Garden.